Michiganders can be a superstitious bunch. We find all sorts of reasons to explain the world around us, sometimes pulling from science, sometimes tradition, and sometimes from our imaginations. What happens when we can't readily explain our experiences? And what happens when a ghost story gets out of hand? Do these legends stem entirely from fantasy? Or are people seeing things no one can truly explain? I'm Krista K. Coburn. And I'm Kay Gray. Welcome to Haunted Mitten. Welcome to the second part of our tour of Bay City Haunts. If you haven't listened to part one, that's okay. But if you'd like to go back and listen to that first, you may want to stop here and do that now. We're heading right back to everyone's favorite district, Hell's Half Mile, with the Bay City Antiques, located at 1020 North Water Street. Hell's Half Mile. I love it. Fantastic. You think about, like, fall colors and, like, like Huron... And you're just thinking about all the prettiness and you're like, welcome to Hell's Half Mile. Hell yeah. <laughs> Built in the mid-1800s, this building has operated as office space, a hotel, a grocery store, a furniture store, and now an antique store. Nicole Beauchamp, author of Haunted Bay City, Michigan, tells us that when it was still a furniture store, employees reported hearing footsteps coming from the second floor when no one was up there. Classic. There were offices in the basement, and employees would come in in the morning and find papers strewn about. When the current owner's teenage children were listening to the second floor on the intercom system, they heard, quote, all sorts of noises. Because of what was heard, their son refused to go to the second floor alone at night without his German shepherd with him, which is kind of adorable. He said that he, that, quote, he had felt something pass through him. Customer Ashley Harris felt uneasy while looking through a collection of vinyl records then heard the click of disembodied high heels. That's slightly terrifying. After hearing a woman whispering, she turned and saw a woman who appeared to be from the Victorian era. Quote, she was clad in a lacy purple dress and tall black lace-up boots with her brown hair and an updo. Her eyes were black and her face was ashen. It was like she was staring into my soul, her eyes almost glowing from beyond the darkness of her eye sockets and her bruised lips curled into an unsettling grin unquote customer and paranormal enthusiast harold beauchamp jr relation that's my guess okay follow the aroma of a cooking pot roast to the that sounds great follow the aroma of a cooking pot roast to the area containing antique kitchen appliances only to find no one no cooking taking place he was holding a hat he was considering buying while continuing to wander the store he heard a woman whisper in his left ear hey what are you doing with that He thought it was his wife, but when he turned to look, no one was there. The voice came again, this time from behind him, saying, I'm right here. He chose not to buy the hat, not wanting to disturb whatever was attached to it. The store's reputation seems to have drawn a group on YouTube. You can watch the video uh, called Bay City Antiques Piano Played by Itself by Nettie TV. It's about 37 minutes long. Uh, around then about 27 minutes in yes i watched the whole thing (laughs) they mentioned feeling very uneasy when walking into the showroom with the pianos at the end of the video they talk about some of the unusual things that happened to them while touring the store 
They say that a piano played by itself when no one was near it, uh, certain doors didn't want to close, and a cabinet whose one door was closed when they first walked by later was open and they didn't see anyone else in the store go near it. Cool. Yeah. I do have to say with the, the kids listening on the intercom system, I don't know if I put too much into that just because when I was monitoring library vestibules over Zoom, you heard all kinds of weird noises. Yeah. Like we called them ghost noises because they did sound kind of spooky. Ooh. When like there was nothing there. It was just that the mics were set to their highest sensitivity so that patrons could come up and talk to us like you know, normal, quote unquote. Oh, okay. So yeah, you would hear, it, it got a little better later on. I don't know if they, they messed with it, but it certainly at first you would hear like kind of echoing noises buses passing by were loud as heck but yeah they were like ghost noises they, that was a, a perfect description they were the spooky noises you associate with a haunting right right, right, um, right so if this is an old intercom system i'm guessing it was maybe that's what it was i don't know but what these ghost noises were i don't know either but it would just pick up any little sound and amplify it yeah or even sometimes electronics because they can essentially kind of create their own noise <laughs> Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm with you on that though. Like, especially sound systems, they just, especially old ones. I don't, I don't know if they actually were hearing like short of if they were hearing people talking. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't say specifically what they were hearing, all kinds of things. I mean, it was enough to scare children, but they're children. So yeah, I don't know. But I, I did want to put that out there that, yeah, I heard all kinds of stuff over zoom and i was warned about it by the deputy director of the library and saying you're gonna hear all kinds of weird stuff it's nothing just ignore it right i do appreciate uh the woman that's trying to make sure that people don't steal yeah that was i don't know what that was about with the hat that was kind of funny <laughs> what are you doing with that I, hat right i think buddy. she's like hey you have to purchase that like you can't yeah you can't I don't just know. walk around with that <laughs> like, I, I wonder what the, the story is about that. Like, was she attached to the hat? Was it, the, uh, did the hat belong to a, a relative of hers or a, a boyfriend or something? And Yeah. Or like, is what, she what really just like, yeah. Or is she really just like old timey Victorian security? Like, excuse you. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's, what are your intentions for this hat? Yeah. It was kind of weird. I can, I can see him not wanting <laughs> to, to buy that <laughs> like um clearly something doesn't want me to take this hat so yeah. uh let's, let's leave this right here right i'm just gonna i'm gonna go ahead and set this down you lady you with the black eyes you can keep this hat yeah <laughs> this is your hat now next we have another kind of wild story from history that involved quite a bit of research so hold on tight as we dive in the bijou theater now known as the State Theater, like so many are, opened in 1908, offering vaudeville and burlesque performances. It was remodeled in 1930 into a movie theater and, giving, and given a Mayan temple theme with an art deco interior. That sounds awesome. Yeah, I want to see it. <laughs> On December 5th, 1943, the manager of the Bijou, Floyd Ackerman, was shot and killed while making the nightly deposit. The Detroit Free Press followed this case closely, so there are several articles about it from January and February 1944. 
The paper reported that suspect Yuan Wu, sometimes called Johnny from in modern narratives, was caught after the girlfriend of a person who lived at the same boarding house reported her sweetheart seeing Wu with a gun. Police searched his room and found a large amount of hidden cash. Wu was on parole at the time for another murder. Five years earlier, in 1938, Yuan Wu pleaded guilty to second-degree murder of Lin Kwan, whom he shot 10 times in Detroit. Good Lord! Yeah. He believed Kwan had passed on a fatal disease to his mother, though medical records disproved this. A young woman named Louise Wilson also confessed to the killing. Wu did not know her, and no connection was made between her and the victim. Wilson was sent to the mental ward at Receiving Hospital to be evaluated, where she died by suicide. Oh, very, oh, very sad. Okay. Wu, who was only 17 at the time, was sentenced to serve eight years in prison, but he was released early and relocated to Bay City. Wu did not completely match the description witnesses gave of the shooter, and the police decided he must have used theater makeup to disguise his appearance instead of being another person. He was sentenced to 24 years in prison for the murder of Ackerman. Eventually, Wu was given a second trial and released in 1967. He lived in Detroit until 1999, where he passed away. Uh, this is a pretty interesting case that Beauchamp goes into a much more detail in her book, so I recommend checking it out. Um, though she did incorrectly include that his last name was Wu's with an S, W-O-O-S. And she says that he was Korean, not Chinese. He, she might also call him Johnny. I can't remember. A lot of things call him Johnny Wu, but Yuan Wu is his, his birth name. I found all kinds of information about him on Ancestry. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he was released, um, though is an interesting little jaunt into history of our legal system. Um, I will let her go into that in the book. I don't want to get into it now. To me, she seemed to believe that he was innocent. And what little details of the crime the free press gave definitely sounded doubtful to me. Uh, I I suspect there was more than a little prejudice involved in the first sentencing. What? Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) In the 1940s, prejudice against an Asian man? No way. Oh my, what? Never. Good Lord. What do you mean? 2021 presidents against an Asian man? What? Yeah. What? What? We're not getting political. It's fine. (laughs) Today, the State Theater offers live performances and film showings. Lisa Hoskins and her book, Ghosts of Bay City, Saginaw, and Midland, reported her paranormal group PRISM's findings when they investigated the theater. PRISM got six EVPs, but no unusual photos and heard no mysterious noises like doors slamming, as had been reported before. Nicole Beauchamp talked to an employee who once heard the commotion of a crowd in the lobby, which was empty at the time. She claims that Ackerman's ghost has been seen and there is a seat reserved for the ghost in the audience. Other stories include seeing shadow people, doors opening and slamming shut. A couple of ladies had a frightening encounter in the women's restroom, again with women's restrooms. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) With a person who got uncomfortably close to the stall only to disappear where where the door was opened. Yeah, and there's so much more to that story in the book. This was just me, like, distilling it down from, like, a two, three-page story to, like, just a couple sentences. Um, so, yeah, read the book. It's it's fascinating. Both books are actually pretty good. But, yeah, what is it with women's restrooms? We Seriously? run into this all the time. Especially in theaters. Oh, yeah. Why is it never men's restrooms, family restrooms? Yeah, I don't why know. Why is it just... Why? And I believe it was a men's feet that they saw below the oh, stall. Great. 
Um, I just like that it's a person who got uncomfortably close. <laughs> yeah, she was so she was in the stall, you know, seated doing her business, and then she saw these feet, like, and they looked like fully formed feet. They were not see through or anything. Come right up to the door of the stall and just like stand there facing it. Oh my god! Yeah, which is like creepy as heck. Um, but of course, she didn't think it was a ghost. She thought it was somebody being like creepy and kind of scary yeah get out of the bathroom yeah like hey somebody's in here um (laughs) move away she opens the stall you know all all ready to be confrontational and of course they disappear right of course and she tells her friend and her friend's like yeah whatever and then her friend goes in and has her own experience so (laughs) very active bathroom that night but why is it gotta be the women's why is it always Maybe it has to do with like the stall things. Things can happen with the stalls. Men's rooms don't have as many stalls. They, and I guess urinals just aren't spooky. <laughs> I don't know. That's my best guess. <laughs> now I need All to write right. a story that's like the haunted urinal. <laughs> urinals just aren't scary. That's fair. All right. I buy it. Yeah. They're like open air toilets. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Okay. Our next location is actually located in the Saginaw River. Built in 1958, the USS Edson is a Forest Sherman-class destroyer, formerly of the United States Navy. She was decommissioned in 1988, becoming a museum ship at New York's intrepid Sea Air Air Space Museum the following year, which I have actually been to. I don't know that I saw the Edson when she was there, but I actually have been to that museum. That's awesome. Weirdly enough. Um, it was it was either like 2004 2005 so I'm yeah I don't remember if the Edson was there I just remember the carrier that we were on in 2012 she was moved to Bay City Michigan where she still served as a museum ship and is a national historic landmark one of her nicknames is the gray ghost of the Vietnamese coast funny that they mention ghosts (laughs) no way on and it's on this show crazy (laughs) how prescient (laughs) Director of Ships Force, he oversaw tour guide staff and maintenance. Paul, I apologize in advance. Stampinato? That's how what I was thinking. That's how I was going to pronounce it. All right. Paul Stampinato loved the USS Edson so much that he is thought to remain after he died from a heart attack aboard the ship in 1999. During a public ghost hunt, a paranormal investigator felt the temperature of the bosun's locker drop. The team decided to turn on a spirit box. The investigator asked if anyone was there with them, and a voice faintly answered, yes. She thanked him, then she asked for his name. My name is Paul, it said. She then asked when he passed away, and the answer sounded like it ended in nine. A woman on the second floor of the bosun's locker felt an arm tight around her waist as if to keep her from from falling into the opening in the floor. A man in a khaki uniform is seen wandering the ship, and this is thought to be Paul. In 2012, an article was written about Paul in the Bay City Times and included a picture, and it looked exactly like the man in khaki, who was even caught on video surveillance. And we will have a link to that article in the show notes. He has also shown up in photographs. People have felt someone tap them on the shoulder, pull their hair, and have had items go missing. One female volunteer had her butt spanked by an invisible hand. Okay. Cheeky ghost. <laughs> Uh, A dog has been heard barking and once snarling right next to people, but no dog is in sight. Visiting mediums have claimed there are eight spirits aboard the Edson, including Paul. 
Nicole Beauchamp talks about the Edson in her book, and there is an excellent article on Route Bay City called Bay City's Ghosts Originate from Home and Afar, which we will also link to in the show notes. Um, that, that also gets into it. Uh, so check those out for more info or visit for yourself and see if there are invisible dogs barking or a man who loved a ship so much that he never wanted to leave. And women's butts. I don't yeah. know if that was Paul. That's unfair. But, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm totally cool with like ghost touching, but hey, that's too far. Yeah. Ghosts can touch just appropriately. Yeah. Just because you're a ghost doesn't mean you get to be inappropriate. Exactly. I just love that it was it was called the gray ghost. <laughs> like, well, about that. <laughs> yep. And it, it did see combat quite a oh, bit, that's cool. in fact. So yeah. there could be things attached with that. Um, but apparently Paul did love the ship so much that he never wanted to leave. And he perhaps didn't. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I He's a good ghost. Yeah. And imagine just like loving something, loving a place or a thing in this case, like so much that even after death, like your love endures for it. Yeah. I kind of love that. Sticking to the water, we moved to the Saginaw River rearranged lighthouse located to the north of Bay City, built in 1876. Lostinmichigan.net reports that the lighthouse was deactivated in the 1960s, but the Coast Guard used it for living quarters until the 70s. So there's a hundred years of history here. People stationed at the lighthouse claim to have seen an eerie light in the tower and heard disembodied heavy footsteps. Many believe that they belong to one of two keepers from the past, but why not both? Peter Braun, sometimes written Brown and Brown, B-R-A-U-N, but apparently officially it was B-R-A-W-N. Um, he was the keeper of the previous light. He passed away three years before the one we're talking about was built. His wife, Julia, was put in charge after his passing, and she continued as head keeper once the new light was opened in 1876. Their son, DeWitt, also helped out and actually invented range lights. Kay, read us the definition of range lights from the United States Lighthouse Society's glossary. You got it, because I don't know what those are either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Two lights associated to form a range, which often but not necessarily indicates a channel centerline. Not with it yet. The front range light is the lower of the two and nearer to the mariner using the range. The rear range light is higher and further from the mariner. When the ship is in the proper channel, the lights will be in alignment. Hence the name Saginaw River Rear Range Lighthouse. Uh, to put that in like real people terms. So essentially, you know you're safe and you know you're coming into shore right in the, from the proper direction when the lights line up with each other. Right. Because that's when you're actually coming into the channel. Right. Um, so you don't want to, you know, screw up and go into so the... So if the lights are not uh, in alignment, there's a decent chance that you're going to hit something. Right. So you want to position your boat so that the lights are in alignment. Okay. Um, and he invented that, which is pretty cool. And um, it was it's actually used in other places as well. I'm not clear on if it's still used today, but that's kind of neat that it was invented here. And he went on to have um, quite a career with lighthouses and other things. So good, good on him. Smart kid. <laughs> a, a smart kid, that DeWitt. Yeah. Yeah. And a side note about lighthouses, at least in Michigan. Again, I assume elsewhere, but I can only speak for Michigan. Many of the keepers were disabled. Many were veterans from the Civil War. 
and so forth. And several were women. And I love that. <laughs> um, being a keeper was not, not an easy job. At times it was incredibly dangerous. Many men lost their lives. Um, but these men, many of whom were missing limbs, were not only able to perform these jobs, but they were put in charge. Same with the women. In an age when employment outside of the home was not entirely common for married women and mothers, uh, they, they were usually the widows of the previous keeper, as, as in this case. Um, but I find it very cool that they were, they were trusted enough and they were allowed to take over and continue in their husband's place. And this allowed them to stay in their homes and it gave them an income to care for their families. But back to Julia. Heck yeah. After the first year as a keeper at the New Light, Julia remarried and her new husband, George Way, was placed in charge of the light. Julia continued on as first assistant keeper until 1882. George passed away a year later, and Julia, then aged 67, finally left the lighthouse after having lived and worked there for 17 years. There are rumors that Julia killed both of her husbands in order to become the head keeper, and it is their ghosts that haunt the lighthouse. But come on, Peter was 63 when he died, and he never even lived in the house. And after George died, Julia left. Remember, she was 67. That's a good age to retire. Diana Stampler says in her book, Michigan's Haunted Lighthouses, which I, of course, encourage you all to read, that George died suddenly from asthma. I believe he was 15 years younger than her. Um, she also includes Julia's obituary from 1889. It seems that she was well-liked by her community, called, quote, one of the noblest of earth, end quote, and was, quote again, left in very good circumstances after George's death. She was survived by three sons and three daughters. So while I obviously did not know her, she doesn't strike me as a Black Widow. I know it's always the quiet ones, but still. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And and just to get the head lightkeeper position of a lighthouse doesn't seem yeah. like, you know, the, the most obvious of motivations, I guess. Right. While other keepers served after him, George Way is the only one to have died at this location. Thus, many people believe it's his heavy footsteps being heard on the lighthouse stairs. But Julia lived longer than either of her husbands. Why couldn't it be her footsteps being heard? Why does it have to be a man? Yeah, just because they're heavy doesn't mean it has to be a man. Yeah. She could be walk walking heavy. with purpose in like big clunky boots because she's got to go out in a storm. Yeah, people saying these things. Yeah, I just, the whole, the whole legend of it being, oh, this woman murdered her husbands in this lighthouse. It's like, come on. I know that just feels like it was just all written by annoyed men. Yeah. They just want to sensationalize it. Yeah. Like, come on, really? The woman was 67. Yeah. Like, and, <laughs> and, and neither of her husbands died a mysteriously or B at like unusual ages. Yeah. Yeah, because the first husband was in his 60s when he died. Um, the second husband was young, younger. I believe he was 15 years her junior, which, go Julia. Go for her, um, man. But it said he dies, died from a sudden asthma attack. Right. So, you know, they couldn't do much with asthma back then. So could it, could it have been, like, induced asthma for murder purposes? I guess. But she lost her home when he died. She had to right. leave the lighthouse. But it says that she you know, was left in, in good standing. I believe she moved into a house that they owned in town. That's kind of what I got from the obituary. But, you know, she was well taken care of. She had six children. So it sounds like she was fine. So yeah. Maybe she enjoyed her retirement. I hope she enjoyed her retirement. I hope that she did. 
damn it. Like, I hope that she did. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's really cool that, oh, her husband died and they were like, well, you know the job. You you can take over. We could either go through the process of trying to find somebody to man this, kicking you out of your home and livelihood, or you know what you're doing. So, you know, do it. It is sort of funny that when she remarried, they made him the head lighthouse keeper. I'm like, well, what were his qualifications? Uh, a penis? I, uh, I assume he had some. <laughs> I, it doesn't sound like they really required a lot of qualifications. They were just like, oh, you're you're willing to do this? Cool. Right. Can you go up these stairs and turn on a light? Awesome. Yeah. You're hired. Even if you're missing both your legs, as yeah. some of the keepers were. And as arms. long as as long as they could get up there yeah there's very little info on these next two locations but i have a sweet tooth so we're going to talk about them <laughs> excellent so of course we are i love sweet stuff uh one is mentioned in ghosts of bay city saginaw midland by lisa hoskins and the other is in haunted bay city michigan by nicole beauchamp don't forget you can head to bookshop.org slash shop slash haunted mitten if you would like to purchase their books Support us, support them, and support the local bookstore of your choice. Once again, that is bookshop.org slash shop slash Haunted Mitten. St. Laurent Brothers, a nuts and confectionery shop located at 1101 North Water Street, was founded in 1904 roasting peanuts to make peanut butter. Soon, demand grew, and they branched out into other nuts, naturally. They continue to roast daily at their factory outlet, and they also offer, per their website, homemade nut clusters and milk, bittersweet, dark, and white chocolate, as well as sugar-free nut clusters, chocolates, and a large assortment of unique and sugar-free candies. And according to Lisa Hopkins, the employees have claimed to see a boy playing with a ball on the second and third floors. That's the kind of place I would have wanted to haunt when I was a kid. I mean, it doesn't really sound so bad now, because as I said, I love chocolate and candy. And uh, this is why I insisted on a candy bowl at our table at Frankenfest. And we, and we did pass out most of it. We got rid of most of it. Yeah. I still have a couple pieces um, sitting on the counter I keep forgetting about. But <laughs> <laughs> the chocolate's gone. Chocolate's, I don't even know if we came home with any chocolate. <laughs> I don't think that we did. I think that went first. Yeah. Uh, well, he isn't the only ghost with a sweet tooth. And it now occurs to me that like way more like confectionaries and things should be haunted because delicious. Yeah. <laughs> or is it torture because you can't eat it oh, i don't know maybe you just like Crap. being around it aromatherapy yeah can ghosts smell they can create smells oh so i guess yes um we're gonna have to talk to somebody else about this yeah <laughs> <laughs> anyway located at um 1116 north johnson street the tummy eight candy store amazing is also purported to be haunted. The building was erected in 1920 and Tummy Egg just celebrated their 20th anniversary this past spring. So happy anniversary, guys. Nicole Beauchamp spoke with the co-owner, Star, in her book. While having a bad fall, Star yelled out for help. She was, quote, miraculously unhurt and felt as if a, quote, protective male presence was looking out for her. She also once felt an invisible hand, quote, tap her behind. Okay. Son Sky often heard someone who wasn't his parent call his name. So again, with the tapping people's on the behind, this is the Stop. second story <laughs> of someone getting <laughs> in the same episode. Yeah, 
did anybody in part one i don't think so i don't think so (laughs) oh my gosh yeah i think we need to investigate these two places i don't know i don't want to get my butt slapped that's true (laughs) i do do like candy though (laughs) yeah this one's interesting though too because she felt like it was more of like a guardian like maybe a personal guardian a guardian angel or guardian spirit rather than necessarily a ghost so that's something i guess that people don't talk about too often either is like it isn't necessarily the location right it could be the person yeah because because they're i mean there's so many stories of people saying oh my house is haunted and then the next people move in and they're like no so yeah like maybe maybe it's not the location maybe it's an object maybe it's maybe it's the person maybe it's Hmm. not a, a ghost as we understand or we typically understand ghosts maybe it's a guardian spirit or guardian angel yeah or your a uh, past loved one who is keeping you safe that's really true yeah i like that i guess we don't consider that enough i don't think that we do that people well i don't even want to use the word haunted that uh certain people maybe are more of an attractant yeah like if places can have these kinds of spirits why can't people like, does it have to be, does it have to be, like, inanimate to be haunted? Right. And, like, um, I can't remember when. One of the times I heard um, John Tenney speak, and he was saying that uh, he had trouble, like, keeping a girlfriend because they okay. would get weirded out by all the weird stuff that happens around him. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's a very open individual. Um, he's open to those kinds of things. He, he always says, you know, I invite the universe to play with me right Um, so yeah why why not a person yeah and in this case it it worked out really well because she was left unhurt yeah yeah i don't know exactly what the the fall was but yeah that's interesting some someone helped her and i totally want to totally want to check out her store (laughs) so you know maybe it's not the store that's haunted maybe it's her um and her a protective spirit but um but yeah, that someone calling out her son's name is kind of interesting. But again, that could be a relative. Yeah. It, it's not necessarily creepy. Oh, no, not at all. I, it absolutely I, could be creepy, but it isn't necessarily creepy. Yeah, and I, I, that's something I try to express like all the time is just because something is haunted doesn't mean it's scary. Yeah. Like, like I someone... know that those are synonymous, but... Like it's, it's really not like ghosts, spirits, entities, whatever, ultra terrestrials, whatever you want. Like they don't have to be scary just because it's not human or not human anymore. Doesn't automatically make it evil or bad or terrifying. It's just, it just is just like other people just are. Yeah. And like, it could be, I don't know, in this case, maybe a grandparent has passed and is calling out to their grandson. Oh, that would be lovely. You know, it could be sweet things like that. Like my mother had, had talked about smelling her grandmother's perfume after she had passed. Yeah. And looking up and seeing her. And she was comforted by that. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, it could be something like that. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So here's one for you, Kay. <gasps> Thought of you instantly. Voodoo Tattoo opened in the former Memorial Presbyterian Church, which was built in 1871. 
I'm all about it so far. All of it. Every single part of it. Oh, yes. You'll love it. (laughs) (laughs) So footsteps were heard on the weekend as if someone were preparing for service. The owners once received alerts on their phones that someone was in the building, but after reviewing the security footage, they found nothing amiss. They saw a broom float across the room, and both of the owners have come, quote, face to face with former and deceased Minister Henricus Henry Croylin. My German is abysmal. I apologize. No, that's all right. You did all right. Uh, They recognized him from pictures they had seen at the site. So who wants to get a tattoo at a haunted tattoo parlor? Me. This is actually the second haunted location the owners have operated out of. So you will have plenty to talk about. Oh my God. Yeah. No, me. I want to do it. Yeah. I didn't include the previous location (laughs) because it is now closed. Um, Oh, okay. But that is also in Beauchamp's book. So more reason to read books. (laughs) That's their second haunted location. Yeah. So talk about people being haunted. This one, it sounds like it is definitely the location. Yeah. Um, and, and it sounds like this guy's like super active. Like he appears pretty regularly, like on the weekends. And it, again, kind of like Paul earlier, I think he he probably is here because he loves it. It's it's almost, yeah, like everything from the broom floating, which is, you know, like he's cleaning up or somebody is cleaning up. Right. Um, yeah, to getting ready for church on Sunday. It's... Um, Croyland loved his building, loved his flock. You know, it sounds like he's just getting ready for a normal Sunday morning. Right. And there were, I think there are a few more incidences too that she includes in the book, but I mean, I'm, I'm not here to just read books. So like to our audience. Oh, I was like, um, you're not so here to I just, just read books? Uh, I will highlight them and I will say if, if you do want to learn more, definitely check out the books. You can purchase them online you can um order them through your local bookstore or library a lot of these i got through Melcat. some of them i do own now especially if they're like really good but yeah read the book it's it's got some good stories and pictures too she has a lot of pictures the pictures would be helpful yeah so so what uh what kind of tattoo would you have to get at a haunted tattoo parlor uh i have a feeling this is the place where my bigfoot getting abducted by aliens tattoo is going to come from yes (laughs) <laughs> oh uh bigfoot being abducted by a ufo which is being driven by the mothman wow this is gonna be a big tattoo i, f- I feel like it would have to be kind of big it might be where we got where a lot of skin it it's fine that's true um this feels like a thigh piece okay uh, all of my tattoos are on my legs so this might it might be a thigh piece but now that i work in places that are cool with it i might <laughs> i might branch out we might we might branch out from from the limbs yeah M- many of our uh co-workers have tattoos visible yeah. tattoos and a lot of them are nerdy tattoos it's fantastic i love it oh yeah <laughs> oh I, yeah no i've sp- I spotted a couple and been like aha i see you yep i see you you nerd yep <laughs> yeah we may have to stop by there if they're not too busy and and see you know what they come up with or if you can contact them online maybe and say here's what i'm looking for yeah can you help me out can you help me mostly because i want to get a tattoo at a haunted parlor thanks heck yeah all right well now that i'm going to be dreaming about that all day uh the former location of simmons jewelers at 208 center avenue is said to be haunted by orville ramsayer former maintenance man 
Pulling from the Root Bay City article, Bay City's ghosts originate from home and afar, former employee John Tolles said, quote, there were four of us standing where the cash counter was, and there was a champagne glass that flew off the shelf, landed in the center of the store, picked itself back up, and flew over onto the bottom shelf. Never shattered. And it's a champagne flute. You look at those things wrong in the stem snap. And every time it landed, it was straight up. It literally flew over and then back up on the shelf. The very next day, the man that was running the going out of business sale was showing a customer some of our fashion jewelry, uh, unquote. While explaining this piece of jewelry to him, another piece from across the room detached itself from, a, from its display neck. Quote, the piece came off from that, landed on his shoulder, and this is 10 to 12 feet away, and fell to the ground. Orville was known for his love of helping out and volunteering. So this, this is what led to the employees to believe it was his spirit that stuck around the store after he passed away. Quoting John Tulls again, when something went missing, quote, we'd say, all right, Orville, what'd you do with it? I'd go right back in there five to 10 minutes later. And there it was sitting right in the middle of the floor. When you know you looked for it, end quote. Uh, unfortunately, as Kay indicated, Simmons is now permanently closed and it doesn't appear that a new business has moved in. Please don't break in to investigate. No. Uh, but, if, but if you do see that a new business has moved in, uh, you know, maybe ask the new employees if they've experienced anything unusual. <laughs> Any very breakable items moving around? Yeah. That, and then don't break? Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that was really interesting. And, and I was like, oh, man, you guys closed. Uh. <laughs> no. But we want to ask you about your champagne flutes and necklaces. Yeah. Like, how interesting. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it just sounds like somebody's trying to be either helpful or just very attention-seeking. Hey, I'm here. Yeah, yeah. I can do cool shit. Because, <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, the things that he, he claims, like, with the champagne flute and then the, the piece of jewelry, like, that's that's pretty incredible. It is. But, yeah, this happened while they were closing, and it's like, oh, man. <laughs> that I know, that stinks. Are, were yeah. they, are they, like, a COVID- I'm not actually sure when they closed. Okay. I think it was before that, but uh, I looked up the address on Google Maps and it says that it's still closed and I, I couldn't oh. see that anything has moved in and it does say okay. permanently closed on the maps. So Oof. yeah, I did make a map of the locations we're talking about. Um, and so I did include this because it's sort of on the way to another location. So, okay. We can always walk by and peek in windows, but yeah, nobody break in. Please, please do not oh, do that. No, no, That's no. very rude. Yeah, for all involved, real people or physical people and non-physical people. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. My teachers would say. Yeah. <laughs> so one of my high school teachers, he would just say, don't do it. And we're like, oh, well, okay then. Okay. All right. Well, that is it for Bay City. All of the books we mentioned in the podcast are available again at bookshop.org slash shop slash haunted bitten. If you want to read more haunted stories and would like to get your own copy, every purchase benefits this podcast, as well as the independent bookstore of your choice. And of course the authors, most of whom are fellow Michiganders. It's a win, win, win. Don't forget to like and review haunted bitten. So more people find us, follow us on all of the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at haunted bitten. We are also on Patreon. $1 a month gets you access to the private Haunted Mitten Discord server, as well as exclusive Patreon content, including the audio recording of our very first live presentation at Frankenfest Detroit about historic Fort Wayne. 
where there's a haunted bathroom yes yeah <laughs> another haunted ladies room <laughs> yep that's that's our let's see season one theme was not a witch i don't remember what season two theme was season three theme ladies haunted restrooms yeah seems to be seems to be restrooms <laughs> you can also email us why do i always have to say the email no you can also email us at contacthauntedmitten at gmail.com if you have a story or want to get in contact about a collaboration uh, you can find me, Kay Gray, at Kay Gray Writes, uh, letter K, G-R-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-S. And you can find me, Krista, at Krista K. Coburn, C-R-Y-S-T-A-K-C-O-B-U-R-N. Oh, my God. So we forgot to mention this last time, but we have merch. We do. Um, I'm wearing one right now. <laughs> you can totally not see it. Right. Well, yeah, we don't We don't video record these. I'd have to, like, get <laughs> dressed. That's ridiculous. Um. Go to hauntedmitten.store for all your HM needs. Um, we have one design up on like a myriad of products right now, including some super soft t-shirts that uh, we have we have proof to be incredibly premium. We have yep. some. Our friends very, very have comfy. some. Very soft, very comfy. And we hope to have some other designs going up soon too. Um, we have stickers. So- Yes. Um, yep. Which I've posted some pictures, I think, of the sticker on my car. Yeah. Um, and it's still there. It's holding up. Yeah, it's doing well. We'll see what happens after winter. This is like our test. We're like the we're like the guinea pigs for this yeah. sticker experiment. I have one but... on my laptop too, and that that's nice. obviously that's doing fine. <laughs> right. That one. That one will do fine. But yeah, the one the ones we each have one on our car, on our cars, and I hope that I hope they survive the winter. Yeah, it survived the rain, so. <laughs> yes, it has, because it's been a very freaking rainy fall. There's probably yeah. some rain heard on this recording because it decided to, like, pour for five minutes during recording. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right, yeah, go check it out. Um, You can find us anywhere you get your podcast, so please tell your friends. Uh, We have a website that I have not done nearly enough work on um podbean.hauntedmitten.com so go check that out if you want yeah and as always happy haunting <laughs>